welcome to this week's edition for the Wise Up Podcast. This is your host, Ezra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up is my platform to educate the Muslim and South Asian community about local Texas and national politics. You can find my podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, or hear them every Tuesday at 2 p.m. on Radio Azad. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out my website, wiseuptx.com. Remember everyone, let's become educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. So today's podcast is called Accountability Across the Board, and we're going to discuss how we hold our politicians accountable, how we hold the media accountable, and a story um, that's been trending but hasn't gotten really big on the mainstream media with the Dakota Access Pipeline and what the Native American community has been dealing with recently. But first, let's start with the news of the week. So we have about less than two months till the elections. I hope you all have registered to vote in Texas. The deadline is October 11th, and we're pretty much down to the wire with regards to Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Uh, We also have heard the stories of Hillary Clinton um, having pneumonia and passing out at the 9-11 memorial in New York. And there was a lot of discussion about um, how to hold Hillary Clinton accountable or presidential candidates in general, accountable for their health or medical records and if they should be more open about it. Um, Several people felt that Hillary Clinton wasn't very forthcoming with how she felt and that she had been sick for a while and that she should have been and that would have caused less issue than it did because if you had been following the news, Donald Trump has been making Hillary Clinton's health a major issue of concern. So that's pretty much up to you. She did end up releasing her medical records, although it was given um, by her doctor and not from a third-party source or a neutral source, as some people like to say. Um, There have been news outlets that have reported that the information that Hillary Clinton um, reported or gave out regards to her medical issues is the same across the board as Uh, President Obama gave for his health issues, uh, Mitt Romney gave, and other countless presidents in the past. So then it became into this issue, is it because she's female that she's facing all of these types of um, negative media attention? Um, You even have President Obama discussing just a couple days ago about how her gender is affecting the election cycle and that people... um, will find her more negative when she does the same thing as a man, whereas a man, a presidential candidate, doesn't have to face those same dilemmas. And that's something I want my listeners to kind of think about. Do you think race, uh, excuse me, not race, but gender is um, playing a role in this election cycle? Um, Because if you do, that's something for us to think about and take a step back and try and analyze, like, why is it affecting us? Like, what is it about um, her gender that makes you feel that she's unqualified or unfit uh, for to be president? Moving on with regards to the whole medical issue, Donald Trump uh, showed up on the Dr. Oz show. He didn't really release his medical records at all. He still has yet to. Um, but he did discuss some of the medical things he wanted to improve on. Um, in the course of his lifetime. Then we had the story where Donald Trump uh, decided to talk about how he believes President Obama actually was born in the U.S. And if you recall, years ago, Donald Trump had made this huge 
outcry that um, President Obama was never born in the U.S. and the whole birther certificate situation. And so, personally, you know, the media just ran with it, and I find that to be exceptionally frustrating that, well, I find it to be, okay, it's an important story because he was the one that pretty much caused this problem, although he completely denies it, and he states that Hillary Clinton was the one that caused this problem, in which PolitiFact uh, completely demolished that theory. And I think the media just really went with the story, and that's why I want to talk about accountability. It comes to a point where, when is the media really telling us the news that matters? Like, does it come down to what the media tells us, or is it coming down to what we're clicking on? So should we hold ourselves accountable that, oh, we're clicking on these types of stories, whereas we should be focusing more on policy issues or the things that are really going to matter during a presidency? Or is it the media that's putting out these stories and that's why we're clicking on them and that if they had posted the policy stories that we would also be clicking on them? So it's kind of like a chicken and the egg situation, which came first. And the media is one of those that likes to claim that they are posting the policy stories, but people aren't clicking on it. And then, of course, they're, you know, attempting to make a sale and have a business. So then they start putting out all of these other types of stories. And so this is another thing I want my listeners to think about. Where do you think the accountability comes in on that? Do you want to listen and hear news that really pertains to the policies that are going to affect us long term? Or are you one of those that are guilty, just like I am, to get into that clickbait where you see that thing on Facebook with, oh, he finally has admitted that President Obama is born in the United States, and we're all guilty of clicking it. So it's something to think about, you know, as we're winding down to Election Day and trying to figure out who we're going to vote for. So it's just something to think about and discuss with your family and friends because that's something that we really need to focus in on and try and understand what are the real policy issues or what are the real problems that are facing us today and what we really need to focus on as a nation. Okay, so moving on to Texas news, um, session is going to be starting up in January and a lot of your local representatives, your state house representative and your senators, Texas senators, are running for your re-election. So if you're not liking who the presidents are, I still recommend you to go out there and vote on November 8th because your local representatives are also on the ballot. They have started to um, have committee hearings in which they are discussing what they plan to implement for the next legislative session. And the Speaker of the House, Joe Strauss, uh, discussed that next legislative session they fully intend to discuss uh, the public school finance issue and making sure that Child Protective Services is better funded because if you hadn't heard, there were, have been many children that have died under state care um, just because CPS didn't have the funds and the resources to make sure that these kids were safe. Um, it seems that also that our budget isn't as high as uh, expected because of the oil and gas um, downfall in their business. And so apparently the Comptroller's Office is saying we're about $1 billion short for this next legislative session. So that's not the best news if you're expecting some great government um, programs to be enacted. It also seems that um, Medicaid expansion isn't really going to happen this next legislative session. So that's something to keep in mind if you're working in the medical field. 
And at the Senate Education Committee, the GOP senators debated about how and not whether to give Texas families taxpayer money to pay for private, religious, or home schools. So many of you are out there that have kids who are in public schools, and what these other system is is basically they want to do charter schools, which isn't always the best thing if you're a huge advocate for public school because that's money, taxpayer dollars, that would be used towards giving vouchers um, to those that want to put their kids, you know, have privatized education. So that's something I think you should have in the back of your head when you are deciding who you want to vote for in your local elections. And I think that's a topic that you will probably want to discuss with your um, legislators or those who are running for office on what they think about the charter school voucher and public education system in Texas and how they intend to vote this legislative session, because I can guarantee you it's going to be a huge topic uh, come 2017. Well, that's the news of the week. Let us move on to our interview for today. Just a little bit of history about what you're going to hear about in just a couple of moments. Um, there have been demonstrations in North Dakota about the Dakota Access Pipeline, and this protest has been happening since April, and we're going to have Vance Black Fox come and discuss about what the Native American community has been dealing with these past couple of months. So joining us today is Dan Blackfox, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. He is originally from rural Oklahoma. He has earned a master's degree in theology with an emphasis in American Indian ministry from the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. In addition, he has also completed extensive additional graduate level studies in leadership and ethics. He was recently appointed the executive director of the Haskell Foundation at Haskell Indian Nations University in Lawrence, Kansas. Thank you so much for joining us today, Vance. No, thank you for having me. So I wanted to begin with a short overview of what the protest was about. Sure. Um, the, the protest, as some of you may have read or may not have read, uh, is uh, being hosted, quite frankly, or um, taken on by Indian Indian folks, Native American folks, American Indian folks, however you, you wish to uh, call us, um, from a variety of tribes all over the country. In fact, there are 200 tribal groups that are represented in the um, camps that have um, located themselves on Army Corps land near the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. And the protest, um, though we are not really keen on using the word protest, in fact, we're trying to use the word, we're committed to using the words um, defend or protect. We're water protectors and water defenders. Um, they're protesting, those who are on the ground there in North Dakota are protesting or protecting um, the um, construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline, um, which okay. is a oil, sorry, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead, if you don't mind explaining what the Dakota Access Pipeline is. Sure, thank you. Um, the Dakota Access Pipeline is yet another pipeline that would pump oil, crude oil, um, from northern parts of the country, whether it be Canada or North Dakota, um, to other places, such as Illinois or near the Mississippi River, um, to be put into production. We um, know that there are very high risks of failure for pipelines after being put in place. For instance, there has been a recent... Um, um, bust of a pipeline in, in Alabama, which is now causing a lot of turmoil for people there, both the environmentalists 
people's pe- people themselves drinking water, and then also the production of, of gasoline and the and, and the um, uh, ga- gasoline production for that part of the country. Nevertheless, okay. the big. I'm oh, sorry. Oh no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say that the um, production actually. Um, is for us not as big of a issue as it is how the oil that is now entering into water streams, um, whether it be rivers or creeks or other things, are affecting then clean water for humans and non-human people such as animals and trees and plants um, as well. And so that's a huge concern for us, and we're hoping that the stopping of the Dakota Access Pipeline um, will also then eliminate any chance for any of that happening to our people there um, in North Dakota and the Standing Rock Sioux people. Okay, so this protest, or as you all are calling it, a protection of the environment, of the water, um, of human life, and of the wildlife, um, is not only just an environmental factor, um, it's also about uh, tribal lands as well. Am I correct? I mean, that's what I've um, learned from the news, so I'm wondering if that's also a factor in this. Certainly. There there are some issues in around sovereignty. You know, um, we have been through treaties over the years, all of which have been broken by the United States federal government with um, indigenous nations um, throughout the last hundreds of years. Um, These treaties still guarantee us um, some sovereignty so that we can make decisions about how we are affected on the land that has been reserved for us. Um, should we um, have land, right? There are some tribes that don't have land bases. But in this instance, um, the Standing Rock Sioux community, um, um, the Sioux is reservation. that the main community that is in that area where the Dakota Access Pipeline protests? Yes, the Standing Rock okay. Sioux. Uh, yeah, the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation is um, just um, a mile or two south of where the pipeline will run um, um, into okay. and underneath the lake and river, um, Missouri River and Lake Wahi, um, just north of the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. Okay. So they're the primary tribe that would be affected by this. Right. But as you asked, you know, um, and I think there, as you can see through pictures and through articles or on the news, the, the, the small amount of news that are, that's covering um, this, which is also a travesty, um, you can see that, the, you know, these 200 tribes, you know, um, they are there not only to support the Standing Rock Sioux um, um, tribal community and the people that live there, but we're, all, we're talking about protecting um, our rights to govern ourselves and to make sure that we protect our people and make sure that um, we're lifting up the fact that there are environmental racism that's happening um, in this, uh, and, and it's being exacerbated and being supported by systems that are and have been created by the federal government for ages. So I really want to pick up on a statement you just made. Uh, you talked about environmental racism, and I think that is a that's a topic that's very new to me, and I'm sure a majority of my listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen a couple of articles about it, and I want to discuss, you know, what is environmental racism. I know that there are many communities that have been affected by it, and do you think that that is a factor in this type of situation? I, I absolutely, absolutely believe that this is a, a factor. In fact, it's um, many of the, one of the main reasons all this is going down. Um, so we know that racism has to do with um, power, right? Um, and, okay. And, and, and the, the, usually the people that have the power are able to make decisions um, that are uh, able to um, benefit themselves more than those who may not have the power, right? It's kind of an us against right. them. 
And so um, the example of environmental racism that's most, um, probably the most obvious to me and a lot of other folks in this particular situation, um, to simplify, if you will, would be the fact that the pipeline was originally, as far as I, as, as far as I um, have learned, the pipeline was actually supposed to run north of the city of Bismarck, which is the capital of um, North Dakota, and I believe the largest city in North Dakota. So it's where the government and, um, and the governor live. And once, uh-huh. the governor, once the governor learned that the pipeline was to run north of Bismarck, he decided that it was too risky. All right, so if the oh, pipelines are, yeah, pipelines are known to not be um, always reliable. They do get old and they do deteriorate and they do bust and burst and explode and all those types of things. And so if the pipeline ran north of Bismarck and something went wrong, it would then contaminate all the drinking water for the city of Bismarck. And he did not want that. And so he, with his power, right, and he's also from the, the dominant group which is in the United States, which is, is white, right, he right. then um, decided to, to in, um, encourage um, the Dakota Access Pipeline folks, um, the company that is um, developing this pipeline, and the Army Corps of Engineers to move the pipeline south of Bismarck to eliminate that risk. But when they did that, they ran the pipeline right through, or were planning on running the pipeline right through sacred burial grounds um, that belong to the, 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 the Standing Rock Sioux community and the people that um, are from that tribe. Uh, and if that pipeline then goes underneath the lake and the river there, and the, um, river, the uh-huh. river, then um, there's the potential for, you know, the, to burst there, to explode, whatever it might do, and then right. contaminate the water of those who are further down the river from Bismarck, which then are the indigenous people there at Standing Rock. Um, so that would be a very simple example of ha- um, one instance of environmental racism. While I could go on about many others in this situation, that's the one that most concerns me. Right, and that's understandable. Uh, if anything that is directly affecting your community and that could cause harm, there's going to be some resentment there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I also wanted to ask, because you guys have started protesting, I believe, beginning in April, am I correct? Yeah, that was when, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's when um, the first peoples who um, um, there at the Standing Rock had taken notice to, to create some action around um, needing to begin the protection and the defending of the water. And um, since April, how many people have gathered at these mm-hmm. protest sites? Certainly. You know, I'm not quite sure how many um, over time, but I know that the weekend that I was there, there were 5,000 of us. And since then, I've heard that they, the number at any given time could be 7,000, uh, which is a huge testament. Uh, yes, to it really kind is. Of, yeah, the huge testament to our will um, to want to protect the water, to want to protect Mother Earth, to want to stand in solidarity. This is the first time in a couple hundred years, um, I'm, I'm, I'm guesstimating, that tribal communities have come together to be in support of one another, to fight the uh, offending um, group, um, you know, toward our causes or toward our livelihood, uh, which is also huge. But it's just a really an amazing experience. All the folks who have been at this um, camp can tell you that it's a peaceful atmosphere. The demonstrations, um, the protecting um, have been peaceful. Any of the violence that folks might have seen from the news or other places have come from um, the side of those who are who are um, pro Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, but on, in the camps and any of the um, um, any of the ceremonies we have completely have com- been completely peaceful um, and um, nonviolent 
um, and totally based upon prayer and ceremony. And it's just an amazing experience to, to have been a part of that and to continue to see it grow. Um, and I think it scares a lot of people. I think the folks who have power get scared when <laughs> folks are gathering in that way. And so we continue to encourage folks around the country to gather and support, whether it be there in North Dakota or in their own communities, um, uh, and continue to learn um, so that they can join us in this fight to um, protect Mother Earth and protect the waters. And I think that's an incredible milestone for the Native American community because you all have joined together and you have accomplished something. Um, I believe that they're not build, um, able to um, construct within a 20-mile radius. Am I correct? Yes, correct. <clears throat> um, so uh, on, on September 9th, um, there was to be a ruling by a federal um, circuit court judge um, um, on an injunction that the Standing Rock Sioux tribe had um, had, had issued or wanted issued for the construction of the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline. That okay. judge, that yeah, that judge decided that um, there was that, that the injunction uh, there was not enough argument for the injunction or the halting of the construction of the pipeline. So there was immediately kind of a punch to the gut. Right. Everybody had worked, yeah, everybody had worked so hard. Had prayed so hard, yeah. But within moments, um, within moments, minutes after the ruling came down, uh, Obama, President Obama's administration, um, and President Obama has been a great support of Indian people. In fact, has been not too long ago on the Saint Rock um, reservation to visit with folks, not about this pipeline, but you know, um, recent months just to be okay. present and to learn more about their people, right? Right. And and so that's amazing. But his administration came um, um, forward moments later with a joint letter um, from the Department of Interior, which is where the Bureau of Indian Affairs sits, the Department of the Justice, and then also the Army Corps of Engineers. You can find this online too, the joint letter saying that um, he he not he but the, the, the those three entities called for a voluntary halt. Um, of construction within 20 miles of Lake Wahi and uh, the Missouri River, and so, um, so that was a great um, success, right? Um, right. But, yeah, it was a great success. We're very happy about that. But at the same time, we couldn't stop working. We can't stop working because it's a temporary halt, and it's one called um, um, uh, the voluntary voluntary action to reexamine, right? What might need right. to happen. Um, with this pipeline and with other pipelines, you know, how do we, how, how do um, Native people um, become included in making some of those decisions and how do the preservation right. acts that have been passed and in, in environmental and preservation acts um, be consulted, you know, to make sure that there's no digging of graves or sacred sites anymore. Um, and some people don't like that, right? Again, the people with the power don't necessarily like that. Money's involved. Right. Yeah, but we celebrated that um, as a small victory, but realized that it's not it's not it's not done. We still have to continue to fight to make sure this pipeline doesn't continue to be constructed um, at all, um, because he just halted right. it within those 40 miles. And so um, we've got to pay attention and continue to educate ourselves and to make sure that um, the world hears us uh, and that um, all the right next steps are taking place to continue to combat this in a legal way um, and in a way that's um, um, going to be most effective for for, um, for Native people from Mother Earth and all those folks who are affected by the pipeline. Right. And so since, you know, you're talking about how that was a small victory and that there's still a long ways to go, what does your community hope to achieve in the long term? Do you guys hope to achieve more 
um, like environment, like different environmental policies, like looking more at green energy and getting rid of fracking and the dependence on oil? Is it also um, in conjunction with making sure that the Native American community has more rights or is more included in these types of things? What is the end, end goal of this? What do you think this movement is going to achieve? Yes. I think you should be one of our advocates. All those things. <laughs> <laughs> All those things, yes. Um, and, 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 and so what we hope for are those things. One, I think you mentioned, you know, moving from dirty energy to green energy, something that's clean. I mean, we're sit up there in the middle of this um, beautiful camp there in North Dakota in the hills, and you, you know, have this amazing wind that's constantly blowing, and you have, um, um, you have sun that's shining not just there but all over our creation, you know. And so we should be utilizing those those green and more effective and and less dirty um, um, ways of, of supporting ourselves and the energy that we need to to exist here, right, on this planet. Um, so yes, that certainly. The other would be to make sure that in any future situations that come up like this that yeah that native people would be consulted about their own land i mean the reality is that every yeah that every piece of the land here on what we call turtle island right north america and south america Uh central america is stolen land we we just we just need to name that right and so at the very least right we should be we should be consulted (laughs) yes yes the very least we should be consulted about the small parcels of land that have been doled out to us after you know manifest destiny and the doctrine of discovery conquered us you know um and and that's the very least and then you know and and at the very most we should be you know inserted um as power brokers um because of the wisdom quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not wisdom that I have, even though I'm Native, but wisdom that our elders have, right? Right. About the importance of caring for Mother Earth. One of the pieces of wisdom that I do hope that um, I, I'm able to share with folks um, every time I have a chance is, you know, that, you know, nature. If you want to call it nature, fine. We kind of, we have different names for it in different cultures, but Mother Earth, right? Nature and Mother Earth doesn't need anything from human beings. Nothing, right? To continue right. to survive, live, thrive. Nothing. Not one thing, but human beings need every bit of nature, every bit of a Mother Earth to survive, live, and thrive, and we don't pay attention to that, right? Um, we just want to right. gut Mother Nature, and we want to frack, you know, um, uh, Mother, right. and we want to we want to dig up Mother, we want to scar Mother, um, and not really pay attention to the fact that those things that we're sucking out of um, the life blood, the marrow, if you will, that we're sucking out of the Mother Earth um, is is important. It was put there for a reason, and we I don't think we right. realized. You know, outside of earthquakes in Oklahoma, which aren't supposed to be happening really because of fracking anyway, uh-huh. um, we're not paying attention. We're not paying attention. And so I want folks to know that we've got to pay attention. We've got to convict ourselves to this new way of thinking and living as we, as we continue to want to um, live here um, in a way that's healthy. Um, because once we deplete right. this stuff, it's not going to be healthy. Not, and, and, and we may think right now, oh, it doesn't affect it. it or fix it. Yes. It's so yes. difficult. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one more thing um, that I think, in addition to the things that you listed, um, we also need to make sure that um, other folks, right? So I'm talking to you. I'm talking to uh-huh. your audience. Um, it, it can't just be Native people who are um, engaged in these conversations and this education about green energy and this education about protests right. or protecting Mother Earth. 
um, everyone needs to be a part of this. Um, supporting the Standing Rock Sioux community right now is so important. And so I, I would implore everyone to take some time to, to get to know how they might be supportive of the indigenous peoples who are being affected there. I agree. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, uh, how is it that our community can support? Is there like a GoFundMe account? Is there anything mm -hmm. else that we can do? Because, you know, our community, we aren't big on environmental uh, situations or environmental policy. I think a lot of times right now we're combating a lot of Islamophobia and racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that's kind of been our primary concern. But you know, working in government, I realized how much the environment is becoming a much bigger policy issue. And it's something that I feel that we need to start focusing in on a little bit more because it affects everyone in, on earth, literally. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm really glad that, you know, you were able to chat with us to bring at least this one situation to light. But also, what is it that we can do to help um, mm -hmm. y'all's cause? Certainly. Well, I'm, I would say there are four things. There are four things. Um, one is that the Standing Rock tribal uh, tribal community there, they are hosting. They're hosts, and they're doing a great job of hosting so many people. But the you know the funding um, to host such a camp is you know is not always there, right? And so they're right. relying on other folks to be um, um, giving to that cause. So there have been other tribal groups that have. Um, use some of their extra resources, money um, to send there to support the camp because they, they provide a school there on the camp. They're providing more, uh -huh. meals to campers. They are um, um, supplying, you know, the port porta potties, which are not at cheap expense, as we've learned, you know, um, since okay. sitting there, um, and, and, and um, security, right? And so they, they and amongst other things. And so there is um, a, a, a PayPal account that can be found okay. on their website. And uh, I'll get that to you once we get offline here. And yeah. also, um, they folks can um, also um, and donate water um, if that's a possibility because um, bottles okay. of water are needed there um, just for people's sustenance. Um, so that is also important. I would also say that um, if there are any rallies, right, or any um, demonstrations in your cities that you are at, okay. go and learn, go and listen, right? Right. Um, um, and that's important. There are so many people who don't want to sit and listen because they think they have the answers. And sometimes I think uh, especially folks um, who are really concerned um, are good models for it because those who are really concerned will sit and listen, right, before right. taking any action. So go and listen. Go to the go to the demonstrations. If there's not a demonstration, find out if you can help begin one, right? Um, okay. You know, in fact, they're, they're happening all over the country. Uh, and so... Um, so go find those and be a part of that. And then lastly, I would say, um, you know, we're called um, to be in prayer. Native people across this land are in prayer um, almost at every moment, um, individually um, and in community, to pray with and for um, the folks that are gathered there, for the Standing okay. Rock Sioux community, the tribe, um, for the people who aren't quite getting it, right? We need to pray for right. them. Um, the people who are caught up in greed and addicted to money and oil and other dirty energy, we need to pray for them, um, and we need to pray um, that a, a health, the healthiest solution possible for our water right. and for Mother Earth um, comes to play um, itself out, um, especially there um, um, in, in that part of the world, um, but also everywhere. 
Um, and so be in prayer if you're a praying person. Um, do what you got to do to support um, the prayers that are happening in that place and ceremonies that are happening there. So those are the things that you can do immediately um, to be supportive. Thank you so much for that information. Um, and please give me that website. I definitely want to post that on my blog um, for the PayPal account. Sure. And I also want to thank you so much for enlightening us on all of this that's been going on. I really do feel like the media has been given as much attention as um, it really should get. I mean, 7,000 people, and it's been going on for months. We really could learn more about it, especially with regards to environmental racism. Um, That's Mm -hmm. something that you don't necessarily hear about very often. So that's a new light and a new topic for us to know and understand. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we're not the only ones dealing with it. Your community probably deals with it, even if you don't know you're dealing with it, right? If you live in a, you know, live in a neighborhood that's mostly brown, you're probably dealing with environmental racism and don't even know it. So I would encourage you and your listeners to, to, to gain some more education around that topic and to find out how you're being affected by it and then how you can be advocates for other places like Standing Rock as well. I think that's great advice, and I definitely think that's something I'm going to reiterate to our community um, right now and, you know, in the future, for sure. Good. Well, thank you so much, Vance. And um, are, do you have any last words? Or I don't. I just, want to say, I just want to say thank you um, to you and for the work that you're doing in your community and to your community. Um, thank you for any of you who have already been standing with us at Standing Rock. Um, appreciate that and, and continue to pray for us. And I hope to talk to you again another time. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview. I found it to be extremely enlightening because I don't really know much about the struggles that the Native American community has gone through here in America. And I guess out of all of the marginalized communities, they have faced it for the longest amount of time, as um, we've heard Vance talk about their lands being stolen, essentially. I know in today's society we don't come across many of them, but I hope you all will take the time to learn a little bit more about this situation because not only is it impacting the Native American community, this is also impacting the environmental factors of our country that in turn um, are going to affect our children and grandchildren and future generations to come. So I hope you all will start garnering a little bit more interest in environmental policy. It is probably going to be big this presidential election season as well. So that's something to learn about. And also a new phrase um, that I really came to understand and learn was environmental racism and that it really does exist. I think, you know, the example that he gave is one of them. And you could also put the Flint water crisis um, in that same situation as well. So I hope that you all will take the time to also try and understand that, um, that term as well, because I think you know, it is a different form of racism, and it's not something that you particularly think about. Um, We usually think of, you know, hate crimes as in, you know, direct violence or stated words, but that's not always necessarily the case. There is racism in various formations, whether it's the environment or education and other things. So I hope you all will take the time and kind of think that through as well. I hope you all enjoyed my segment from today. And remember, everyone, if you all have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, please feel free to email me at wiseuptx at gmail.com or check out my website. It's www.wiseuptx.com. And remember, everyone, let's become educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving up. Until next time.